This is Alan Seaborn from Winning at Home. Welcome to In Progress, a podcast about faith, life, and how we grow. And for this episode, I want to share a passage from 1 John chapter 2 that has really been uh, on my heart lately. It's been something that as I've thought through everything that's going on in the world right now, uh, that this verse and this few verses here kind of just kept popping up and reminding me and us of what God's calling on our lives uh, really is. And uh, I'm going to get to that, but before I get to that, I want to at least mention this. It's going to be in the show notes too, but I'm planning on uh, this episode being the last episode, we'll see, of the podcast permanently or of the podcast at least for a while. Um, I, I don't even know if I've mentioned it, but I'm in the process of uh, working on another book now with my dad and with Peter Newhouse. And so we're uh, working on, right now the title of it is Marriage on Purpose or A Purposeful Marriage, something along those lines. And um, we're kind of chipping away at that and working through the process of hopefully before too long sending that to the editor. Um, and then uh, my dad was talking to me about kind of what he's thinking. He's like, hey, I got an idea of something that we work on next. So <laughs> my writing, which is awesome, I love doing it, uh, is kind of ramping up or getting busier. And I'm kind of going, okay, I'm going to focus in on that. And so I want to let you know that instead of just you go to listen to the episode next week and it doesn't exist. I want to let you know kind of what I'm thinking there. Um, It's nothing bad, nothing weird, just kind of going, okay, this writing is going to be taking up um, a a more significant portion of my time and I'm going to really dial in on that. So I want to let you know about that as I'm getting going here. And uh, with that said, I want to get into... 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 9. John writes, Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister, brother and sister, lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. And, you know, those verses are almost standalone. They're really convicting. They're a powerful reminder just how much it matters to God that we love people well. And like I said, those verses have really been jumping out at me lately. Um, I think in large part because of how much, you know, when I shared this in devotions with our staff this past week, I kind of talked about the, the two options that we have are to live in God's kingdom, what John here calls living in the light, or we can live in what 
has really in a lot of ways become the norm for living in 2020. Because as I think about it, hate or hating people or having hate for someone's ideas or people who view things in a different way than you, I don't know that I want to say it's encouraged, but I definitely think it's normalized in our society right now. And I could probably go through a list and I could make it as meaningless as, you know, um, I think I talked about it a few weeks ago about um, getting honked at, being uh, in Columbus, Ohio with Michigan, state of Michigan, not University of Michigan, state of Michigan license plates. And uh, it could be as insignificant as something like that, sports team or city or state or whatever. Um, But it could be a whole lot more significant too. If we started wading into um, political ideas or candidates, if we started wading into the best way to fix anything that we thought was wrong with society. And then if we got into that discussion, we would get into the other discussion of what is wrong with society and probably could find some good disagreement on that. And I could probably go through and name off 10 or 12 or 15 things that, you know, some of them you would say, no, if you mention that, I totally agree with you. But there'd be a couple maybe that if if I mentioned them, you'd say, yeah, I don't know if that would put me in the category of hating you, but um, it would be upsetting. It wouldn't be something that would make me want to be in relationship with you. And I had something happen, I think it's been a couple weeks, maybe three weeks ago now. Uh, I stopped in at this little place and... Uh, it, the shop owner was there and there was one other person and the shop owner knows me and my family. And so he was kind of asking, Hey, how's it going? And he asked, how's your grandpa? Because my grandpa, I think I've talked about him a little bit before, um, on here, but he lives in a nursing home here in Holland. He's been dealing with dementia Um, for, it's kind of hard for me to keep track of, but probably four or five years now, it's been escalating. I'm the oldest of his grandkids. And, um, I think because of that, I was kind of the easiest grandkid for him to remember for a while. So when I would see him and I could tell he didn't quite know who, uh, my younger brother or sisters were, he still would recognize me. And and I don't know if you've walked through that journey uh, with someone with dementia where, you know, they, at least he and a couple other people I know that were in a similar spot could kind of play along like they know what's going on. But I can tell in about the last year that the recognition when he sees me is not there. And he, you know, he goes along with it. And I think he figures it out, you know, from the context or I don't know exactly how it works. But I was talking to this um, guy at the shop and I was explaining to him. I said, yeah, you know, my grandpa, he's, um, you know, he's in a nursing home. So no one's been able to visit him for the last 
what has it been? Probably six months now. Um, but I said, you know, he's going through this stuff with dementia and he doesn't recognize me anymore. So I, you know, I think maybe that's kind of the silver lining there that he's not sitting around every day thinking, ah, no one's visiting me. I think he just kind of rolls with it. Thankfully, you know, kind of as a, the one positive side of any of this dementia. And, uh, I don't know if it was the guy I was talking to or the other guy that was in the, the place, the store at the time. But one of them said, oh, you know who has dementia really bad? Joe Biden. And then they start talking, oh, half the time he doesn't even know where he is. And they start talking about this. And I don't care from a political standpoint, you know, whatever. But I was standing there thinking, how are you making a joke about this person having dementia uh, when dementia was part of the conversation because I brought up someone that I care about that it's ruined their life. And I walked out of there just kind of thinking, you know, in a lot of ways, that kind of sums up where we are right now. And I don't know that I would say, um, you know, where they were coming from was uh, hating this person, but it in the context of what was going on, uh, that was a pretty hateful comment, a pretty hateful take on the conversation. And I just spent some time thinking about how normalized that is. Now, hopefully, and probably not to that extreme where people are doing that kind of a you know, someone's talking about something that is hurtful and, and significant to them and just jump in, you know, kind of mocking whatever thing you want to mock by mocking the thing that is hard for them. Um, but it is kind of the tone of the state of society right now. And I guess I'm speaking for... Um, the culture here in the United States, if you're in a different place, uh, hopefully you can't relate on this level. But I do think that to some degree you probably can because the, the state of dialogue between people right now is, I guess, at an all-time low. And uh, over the past maybe week and a half, um, some of it after I had, I had started thinking about these verses and started kind of trying to apply them to me. And, you know, I start with this story about somebody else, but I want you to know that why these verses jumped out to me is because I need to work on them. And so for the past, like I said, about week and a half maybe, um, I've been in the process. You might remember Annalise and I bought a house a while ago, and uh, we <laughs> I'd like to say we got tricked by some of those renovation shows because this thing, <laughs> for someone that doesn't have skills uh, to work on a house, this thing was way beyond what we ever should have bought. But we're getting it where we want it to. It's not done yet, but we're chipping away. And the chipping I've been doing the past week and a half is power washing the 
driveway and the walkway and the sidewalk and the stairs and the front and the back and the um, kind of brick facade and there's a little raised brick flower garden in the front yard and so I've had uh, this power washer and I think that this has been a longer job than it would need to be um, because it's not like a super industrial (laughs) power washer but I've probably put about 15 hours of power washing into getting probably eh, maybe let's say 70% of the way done now. And I, I, I don't know how many of you have power washed before, um, but it's not like what the YouTube videos make it look this glamorous, satisfying, oh man, look at all, I'm just erasing years of dirt. That is the end result, but uh, it's mostly a lot of just standing there holding the trigger down on this uh, little nozzle or whatever you call it, the, the sprayer, and just moving your arm back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And while I'm doing that, like I said, for, you know, 15 hours, probably seven or eight of those hours um, since this message, this idea, this passage is something that um, God's been working on me about. And so I spent seven hours just moving my arm back and forth and thinking. And I noticed over the course of that time, I noticed it because of these verses, just how quick and how easy it was for me to go negative, to think back on something that was said or something that was done or something that someone thought that annoyed me or frustrated me over the previous, you know, X amount of days or week or whatever it was that when we're just sitting or in this case standing and waving our arm with a power washer in it and just thinking. I replayed things and just found myself. I noticed in me how quick and easy it was to go down that negative pathway and to, you know, to kind of use that analogy that I shared a little bit earlier to instead of living like a person who is part of the kingdom of heaven, thinking like a person who's part of the kingdom of 2020. And I want to encourage all of us to take a look at where in our lives we're not living up to God's standards, to God's expectations for us. Because like 1 John 2 says, and I'm going to just read these three verses again because I really want us to hear them. I really want us to understand that this isn't just um, an idea a a good suggestion or a piece of encouragement that John shared and we get to kind of decide, okay, does that fit into the way I want to live my life or does that, is that going to make things easy for me? Um, He makes it pretty clear here in verse nine, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there's nothing in them 
to make them stumble, to trip them up, is what he's getting at there. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. And as you hear that, and as I read that, I, I just find this contrast between light and dark being such a powerful visual, such a powerful challenge that really just helps us to see this distinction between the way we live when we harbor this hatred, this unforgiveness, this bitterness, this negativity toward others. Um, John compares it here to like walking around in the dark, don't even know where they're going. And he contrasts that with living in the light. There's nothing to make them stumble, nothing to trip them up. And when I think through what me holding on to unforgiveness, bitterness, hatred, resentment, negativity, when I think of what that does for me, it's only negative. It's, it's only me living in darkness, right? And when we're honest with ourselves, we understand that that's the case. Uh, when I've talked about forgiveness in the past, I've talked about how probably every single one of us could share our story of why it's hard for us to forgive this one person or this group of people or whoever. And we could probably convince each other that it made sense to hold on to unforgiveness. But then if we took that next step and said, okay, and what is holding on to unforgiveness? What is that doing for me? We would be forced to understand and admit that what John's writing about here is all too true in our lives all too often that holding on to that stuff. Um, there's this line in verse 11. They do not know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. And I, I really, that line just jumps out at me because when we're guided by those negative bitterness, unforgiveness, resentment, hatred, things, um, we don't know where we're going. We're aimless. We're, we're rudderless because we're just hurt and frustrated and self-justified. And instead, what God invites us into is living a life of love, a life of letting go of that, a life of surrendering, a life of not holding on to the hurts, uh, not holding on to the resentments, not holding on to the bitterness that, like I say, we probably could convince every single person in our lives that we should feel this way toward this person or these people. But John reminds us, anyone who claims to be in the light 
but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. And I want to encourage all of us uh, to take a look at where in our lives we've allowed ourselves to hang on, to harbor some of that bitterness, resentment, frustration, hatred, and where there are some things there that we need to let that go to God. Because we want to live in the light. We want to live in his kingdom. Uh, We don't want to be prisoners of the past or prisoners of the moment or prisoners of um, kind of, you know, like I talked about, was it, I think it was last week, uh, with Adam and Eve. We don't want to be the people who explain away things or who justify ourselves by looking at the people around us. Instead, we want to be people who are obedient to God and people who, as a result of that obedience, that surrender, even when it's hard, even when it's painful, even when it's a sacrifice that we wish we didn't have to make and live up to, what we find is that God brings life and healing and in a way that we couldn't have expected ahead of time, a way that we would have almost guaranteed wouldn't be the result, uh, lightness and joy and peace. And I want to invite you along with me to take a look at where we've been living in the darkness, at where we've allowed uh, what we see around us, the national discourse, the normal way that conversations go right now in 2020 um, to kind of color our view of what is and isn't okay. And I want to invite all of us to reframe that we don't use that as the standard. We use what it looks like to be a citizen of God's kingdom as our standard and that we desire to live up to his calling in our lives. It's higher than we wish it was. It's harder and requires more letting go. Um, But God knows the best way for us to live, and he's inviting us into just that. So let's say yes. Let's do it.